In this episode, I'll take you for a little walk outside as I go visit my horses one evening. I'll talk about the joyfulness of having horses, gratitude, and we'll also talk a bit about the importance of introducing variety into your horse's life. All right, so here we go. Episode 82, Walking and Talking. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. It's Monday afternoon, just finished drizzling a little bit. The horses are all fed. And I just wanted to share with you, I just got back from buying a new mane and tail comb for my horses. Just taking it out of the bag. And I just wanted to share with you this story of what happened when I bought this new mane and tail comb. So I'm in tractor supply and just in there doing other errands, dog treats and a few other items. And I remembered that my mane and tail comb handle broke. So I went to the section, I found it, and as I picked it up, I noticed this big smile coming over my face. And it just felt so joyful as I picked out this main comb, and there were a couple choices, and I chose this one, looked sturdy. <laughs> and I sat there for a second looking at this main comb going, why am I grinning so much? <laughs> and what happened was there was just this wave of instantly being transported back to when I bought my first mane and tail comb for my horse and it's like all in this flash I had this sensation of there I was 12 years old picking out a mane and tail comb for my first horse and this instant feeling of of oh my gosh this is what I've been doing ever since then <laughs> ever since I was 12 I've been pretty much doing the same thing. I've been waking up, excited to go out and see my horse. So I thought I'd take you with me as I walked out to see my girls and brush their manes with my new mane comb. <laughs> but I'm just filled with this gratitude of how lucky am I to be this age? This is, let's see, at the time of the recording this podcast, this is 43 years, <laughs> 44 years <laughs> after buying my first main comb. 
I'm buying this main comb and I'm heading out with a big grin on my face, excited to comb my horse's manes and tails. So how lucky am I to have had this dream and this hobby and this passion and to be able to be still doing it, to still be jumping out of bed. And that alone is something to be grateful for. But also maybe just looking at current events in the world, like what a spectacular luxury it is to have a life where most of my focus is on horses and what main comb I'm gonna buy or even just training them. I just have the sense of like what a supreme luxury that is and how fortunate am I. So just in Tractor Supply in Ocala, reaching out for a main comb, this is what washed over me. And sometimes when you, well, when I feel a moment like that, you know, those are those magic moments in life that come unexpectedly and that are often missed. And so I always feel like if there's a moment of intuition or a moment of joy or a moment of unexpected realization, I try to stay there just a little bit longer. It'd be easy to brush it off and smile, good, on to the next thing, get up to the register and miss that moment. And so whatever you focus on, wherever you put your attention, you're going to get more of that. You're going to head more in that direction. So, so there I was <laughs> grinning like, I don't know what, I, I was going to say like an idiot, but no, I'm not grinning like an idiot. I'm grinning like a joyful person, a joyful person who's still so in love with horses that she gets excited to buy a main comb. Hi, Natia. So I'm out with Natia. Hi. Hi, sweetie. So my girls are out on there. They live on a little dirt track. Actually, it's not that little. It goes around about a five acre field. It's got woods and sun and all different things. Hi, sweetie. Ah, best sound in the world. Horses eating hay. Yeah. She's like, why are you, why are you brushing my mane and tail out here? And she says, oh, I'm not gonna ask why, cause that feels good. <laughs> oh, sweet girl. Yep. Sometimes these simple pleasures, these little chores, how many hundreds, thousands of times have I brushed a horse's tail? Often just to get it brushed so it looks good for a picture or a video. But to not, not take that for granted, you know, just because I do it all the time Often I have other people brushing my horse's tails for me. But again, what a simple pleasure. In the middle of everything, in the middle of all the business that I do, all the focus on getting content out to you guys and 
How am I going to keep creating content? Sometimes just simply brushing a tail. And how often do we overlook the things that are really at the heart of everything? This is what gets me up. This is what makes me create new videos and strive at different levels. Because at the end, it's just the time that I spend with my horses that's the fulfilling part. Everything else is just icing on the cake. Oh, hi, Solana. Hi, sweet girl. Hello, she's come. Solana has now come away from her hay net to say hello. Hi, gorgeous. <laughs> hi, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? Oh my goodness, she's now, she's now picking up her foot like a little jambette. Oh, really? Hi, are you proud of yourself? She's very talkative. <laughs> Solana gets very proud of herself. She often, when I come, when I come up to her, she'll, she'll puff all up and maybe even offer like a little jambette or school halt. Oh, are you beautiful? Now she's smiling with her, <laughs> her lips. Hi. Hi. Oh my goodness. So good. Hi. Here you go. I actually do have a cookie in my pocket. You're right. So they're out here on the track and I mentioned she just walked away from her hay net. Uh, I realize that's actually something that's worth talking about. I know there's um, a lot of discussion about feeding horses from hay nets versus on the ground, things like that. And my girls are on a dirt track um, because the grass here in Ocala is just amazing. Uh, but they both have had uh, a history of some laminitis. And Natia is quite on the plump side. It's really challenging uh, to keep her weight ideal. So they're on the dirt track. And they get access to the grass in the mornings. And then they're in by around 10. But so I feed them hay. So they have a low NSC hay, uh, Tifton 85 or jigs is what I can get. And I've been super happy with how that is. And uh, there's my filly also stays on the track with them the second half of the day. <laughs> In the mornings, my filly also gets to sometimes, well, all the horses get to go out in the main area on the grass together as a herd. And then in the late morning, uh, my two big girls go back on the track and then Cora either stays on the track with them or goes and hangs out with either combination of the boys in the main area. Or sometimes she goes um, out in a pasture by herself. So I try to give her a lot of different situations so she can be okay in lots of different situations. Anyway, so we figure out the the right amount of hay per 24-hour period that will keep their weight good. And then we divide that into different uh, hay nets throughout the day. So uh, in the late morning when they go back on the track, there's four hay nets worth of hay. And then in the evening, they get six hay nets worth of hay. Three go out at feeding time and the other three I put out late at night right before bedtime. Anyway, so that's the story of my hay nets. But, oh, she's, Solana's yawning now. I taught her to yawn on cue, and now she's doing that as a trick. That's a nice, 
That's a nice thing to offer. So anyway, though, I have heard uh, some debate about whether it's okay to feed horses out of the hay net because of the posture of their neck. So here's my thinking, uh, at, well, my observations. I have not observed any weird postures coming from them um, from feeding them out of the hay nets. But that said, I feed, I hang their hay nets uh, at a height where their heads are lower than their withers. So I don't like to put the hay nets on the ground around here because we have uh, fire ants. And often, especially in the spring, summer, and fall, we have a fair amount of rain. And when it rains, the fire ants will tend to crawl into whatever is dry. And that often is the hay net. So I want the hay nets off the ground and I don't hang them high. So they're, they're hung where their horse's poles are slightly below the withers down to, let's say, cannon bone height. And as I'm sitting here watching Natia right now, her head is on absolutely straight, um, beautiful little stretching arched neck onto the hay net, and she's pulling straight up. Um, I have seen them eat, you know, kind of pull from the side of the hay net, but what I've observed is they, they pull kind of equally one side, then they fling it around, pull from the other side. Um, so I personally have not observed any negative postures um, associated with eating out of the hay nets. And here's another benefit to hay nets, because I know a lot of people will use some sort of um, slow feeder station, right, where you put the hay in and then there's a cover that has either, you know, mesh or um, small holes and they eat out of the top of it. So I've seen some of those and they look really nice and they're tempting, but they, they can be a little bit pricey. And what I've seen is that they tend to be put in a certain area and then that's where they sit. And so a, a maybe unintended consequence of that is that they just have a feed station and the food is always there. So one thing, hi sweetie, did Solana just steal your hay net? Well, there's another one over there, my girl. Oh, now Solana's back for more attention. Okay, Natia, now's your chance. <laughs> Solana's like, I want the hay, but I want the attention even more. Does that feel good? I know. <laughs> so anyway, so an unintended consequence of maybe just having a feed station is the lack of variety. So when I think about horses' natural lifestyle and then the lifestyle that we give them, uh, what they quickly use is this freedom and choice. Now they're free, they're turned out, but the amount of freedom and the amount of choice they have is fairly quickly limited in most places. Even if you have a big pasture, if it's the same big pasture, then it's the same big pasture and horses get to know it pretty quickly. So my horses live, let's, like I said, the, the track is around about a five acre field and it has squiggly lines, it has sun spots, it has shady spots. Uh, the other pastures are kind of big 10 acre squares. And then I have my main area, which is where the barn and the house are. That's about um, 15, well, that's about another 10 acres 
Um, and that has a little more variety because they can go around the barn or behind the arena or in the woods, things like that. So as much as possible, I try to vary where my horses are. So even though the girls have their track, the boys have the other pastures, I will purposefully alternate who goes where. Now I just, I started doing this when I um, was moving a lot with them and there's a certain point in my life where I was moving and kind of every few months I'd end up somewhere else with my horses. And I noticed, you know, every time you go to a new area, they kind of light up and they're like, Ooh, what's happening? Which makes sense. Um, but then when I bought my place and I stayed in one, one place for a while, I started noticing like, oh, I haven't seen that little excitement in their face for a while. And then I would switch who's in which pasture or I just, if they're all together, I just move them to a different area just for the sake of variety alone. It was not convenient for me. It kind of broke up my routine. Maybe I had to go a little further to feed them. But when I did that, the light came back on again. Oh, there's a rainbow. <laughs> there's a rainbow that's landing in my boy's field right pretty much on top of ovation. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the light would go back on. So I would now I purposefully mix it up. So they might go in one pasture overnight, then in the morning out in the main area, then in the afternoon I'll put them back in a different pasture. So again, it makes it a little bit chaotic around here for the people that help me. Uh, however, I see the change in my horse's eyes and it just makes sense. We know variety turns on the nervous system in a different way. It's going to turn on the investigative, you know, even if it's the same pasture, they like it's this one or that one, it changes it up because maybe they had made plans <laughs> for that afternoon and now the plans are different. Who knows what it's like to be a horse? Maybe they like a particular area with a particular kind of grass at a particular time of day and then I changed it. And so now they got to go seeking a different area. So that's one example, but how did I get there from hay nets? Well, when I have individual hay nets, we get to play the game of hide the hay net. So every time we put the hay nets out, instead of just going to a feeding station, we hang them up in random areas around the track. And I say random, but there's actually a little bit of thought to it. So if you just do it randomly, Humans are not good at random. So if you don't put any thought into it, well, maybe I'll say it this way. If I don't put any thought into it and I just go hang the hay nets without having an intention, chances are they will start ending up in the exact same place every time. Humans, like most animals, are pattern animals and we tend to seek efficiency in what we do, most of us. So what I noticed is if I don't think about it, it ends up the same and it's mindless. And so if it ends up the same, then the horses are just like little robots and they go to the hay net and they kind of work their life around it. They have all the politics worked out, right? Natia gets this hay net, Cora gets that hay net and they just go to their hay nets and they eat. Again, I see the change in the look in the eye. So like, I don't like that been there, done that look in my horse's eyes. So when I hang the hay nets, 
I have some choices. I can put them, you know, all of them far away from the water, right? So there's one, there's two water sources, but they're actually fairly close together. So I can put them all down at the other side, which I know will cause them to cover a little more ground every day as they go make the march to the water. I can put them all in the shade or the sun. So depending on the weather, I might make decisions. But then I can also do what I call social, <laughs> social grazing or independent grazing, or I might do political challenge grazing. So if I put them randomly spaced, let's say I have the three horses and I have the three haynets out, which is what it is right now, I could put them sort of equidistant and then the horses will either have to be independent and go spread out and be alone as they eat their hay. Or if they want to be together, then they're going to have to do some politics, right? They're going to have to figure out, are they going to share that one hay net? Are they going to take turns? Are they going to negotiate and spar to get access to that hay net? How's that going to work? So normal horse behavior knowing that they they all know they could just walk a little bit and go find another hay net. So it's not like I'm throwing them into this situation that's going to cause them to resource guard, you know, and cause frustration and anxiety, but they can make some decisions. And I think it's really interesting to see how they make those decisions. Because one day based on mood, I'll see them all hanging around one hay net and they take turns or I see them hanging around one hay net and they're like constantly pushing each other on and off of it. Or they're around one hay net and one is eating and the other two are sleeping. And then later I'll look out, maybe one's at the hay net and the other two have wandered off and found their respective hay nets. Sometimes I'll put the hay nets close together so that they can all line up and have their own hay net and be together. And sometimes when I do that, they each pick a hay net and they socially eat together. And sometimes one is off way across on the other side of the track, just having a little nap in the sun, totally isolated away from the other horses, away from the hay. So I guess you get the idea that there's some, some changes and I'm sure in every situation they're having to think a little bit differently. They're assessing, you know, what mood are they in? What do they want that day? And it changes. It's got to change day to day. That's what I've seen. It's not like Solana always gets the hay net and everybody else always goes away. Sometimes they choose to be together and sometimes they choose to be apart while eating or not while eating. But if I didn't move the haynets around like that, I wonder if that part of their brain would just kind of stop working because it didn't have to. They didn't have to think about that. So I think that's a, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. And then to think about that same idea and sort of go big picture and say, well, I wonder where else things like that are happening. I wonder where else we make it efficient and easy for our horses. And in making it efficient and easy, we turn off parts of their brain. I mean, I think this happens in a way 
Hi, um, Natia. I came over to visit you. I think this happens in a way physically. If you think about um, the, the high-end dressage facilities with the perfect footing, so the horses never have to step over, you know, a pebble <laughs> or move from one surface to another. You know, they have the surface of the rubber, rubber floored barn to the shaving stall to the fluffy arena. And that's about it. And think about what happens to their proprioception and their coordination and nimbleness and agility if that's all that they're exposed to. So that's, that's the nervous system. And I really experienced that when I first broke, broke out of the normal dressage world and spent some time, I'm actually with the Pirellis and doing natural horsemanship and I followed them to Colorado. There was one um, young dressage horse that I had in training and he was a little scary to ride freestyle on grass because he would trip a lot. And so you can think that the answer to that would be to keep him organized and just make sure I ride him on good footing. Or <laughs> you could do what I ended up doing, which is going, well, I shouldn't have to hold you up. You need to practice on um, irregular footing without me getting in your way so that you can find your coordination, find your balance, and just get your proprioception and nervous system and nimbleness worked out. And so that's what I did. And yeah, it took, <laughs> it took a little bit of courage because he did stumble a lot. Um, but at the end of that summer, he was so much more athletic and so much more alive. And you know, I'm not a neurobiologist, but I think the brain is so plastic and, and everything is connected to everything in the nervous system. So I think if we shut down one area and teach it that it doesn't have to think and it doesn't have to figure things out, it's so easy to get into a pattern of that in general. They don't problem solve here or there, so they don't problem solve anywhere. I wonder if maybe a similar example is that's I don't know if that sound's picking up, but I'm combing Natia's tail <laughs> as I'm talking to you. Oh, now I lost my train of thought. Something about figuring things out. Oh, yeah, so I wonder if it's related to the same thing that happens with feeding time, right? So most barns have a specific feeding time and if you don't feed them at that time, then the horses get frustrated because they're in that pattern. And now that pattern is not serving them because it's either it's working or they're frustrated and anxious. Where if you make a pattern of not having a regular feeding time, to that precision. You know, horses usually kind of, they're like, eh, look at their clock, eh, it's usually about the time. Eh, never mind. And they go away. Now, of course, my horses are out. So if I don't come at the normal time, they just go back to grazing. They've got their forage. 
So you see all these things start to add up when you think about horse care and horse keeping. And of course they have to be fed on time because if they've been locked in a stall and they don't have hay, then yeah, you want to get them. You don't want to wait another hour. You got to get some forage in their bellies. However, if you use that argument as a reason why to have a set feeding time, then really the solution should be feed them in such a way where they have not run out of hay <laughs> by the morning. Right? So there's all these little things that sort of collide together and you make one decision and you stick with it. And that creates another consequence that you maybe didn't think of or maybe didn't connect. And that's causing other consequences. And so now you've got a horse who's running out of food at night and then is frustrated and anxious if you're even 10 minutes late. And that's creating anxiety. And now you have a horse that has not developed the capacity or the ability to practice being well, a little bit adaptable, right? So most of nature, except for the sun up and sun down, doesn't really work on a schedule. You find food when you find food. So when we bring horses into our human lifestyle, I think we have to really watch that the, the things that we think make us efficient as humans might be making our horses less adaptable, less resilient. I have a podcast on resiliency, less plastic and, and able to cope with, with figuring things out and being okay. So I don't know. I don't know if feeding your horses on a regular schedule makes it harder for them to train because they can't practice working through frustration or being patient. I don't know, but I think it's interesting to think about. And for sure, if you have a horse that's having issues with monotony or boredom, you might look outside the training plan and go, where else can I practice having him light up in his life? simply because of how and when you place your heinous. I think that's interesting. <laughs> oh, Solana's back. She says, I'm a little jealous. Hi, sweet pea. <laughs> Hi, crows. <laughs> what do you think, Solana? sound in the world. Horses eating. All right, I'll see you later, sweetie. Well, that was sort of interesting. I didn't know I was going to come out here and talk about heinous and feeding time. Hey, everyone. A quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls, and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered 
either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. But I think it's good to, to kind of sit back and soak in the big picture of everything that you're doing and your horse's whole experience. You know, when I think about creating happy horses and happy athletes, you know, a lot of times the focus is just on what are we doing with them? How are we training them? How are we, you know, using our aids and using timing and things like that? But for me, the, the thinking about your horse being happy has to start when you're not around. What is your horse's life like when you're not around? How can we make that happier? I mean, if your horse is just sitting in a stall, then when you come around, like you're, you're a highlight, hopefully you're a highlight, <laughs> not a, oh no, this is the worst part of the day. So you have a, an opportunity to be like the most interesting thing that happens <laughs> to them all day. But that's a lot of pressure also, like, oh my goodness, all that frustration, all that boredom, all that pent up energy, like we got to deal with all that now. So I try to think about how happy is my horse when I'm not out there? Are they walking around each day going, yeah, life's pretty good. Or are they walking around each day going same old square of dirt, same old square of dirt, same old square of dirt. You know, forage, freedom, friends, it's always a really good place to start with your horses because just having the freedom and the friends gives us some variety by nature. But a lot of times we don't have them in ideal horsey situations. We're doing the best with what we can. We're at other people's facilities. But I think the thing is there's often more choices than we think. And it just takes a little bit of thinking sometimes. Hi, Crow. So those are the sorts of things I think about when I wander out to brush my horse's mane and tail. <laughs> and I'm walking, it is springtime here in Florida and it's very confusing to me because the oak trees here in Florida lose their leaves in the spring. So every spring, the leaves fall out of, out of the trees, land on the ground, and this sound, this sound of leaves walking through dry leaves just brings me right back to New York. I grew up in New York. So every bit of my cellular biology says, it's autumn, <laughs> it's September. And then I have to remind myself, no, we just went through winter. And then my brain goes, you call that winter? That wasn't winter. Yeah, it's even more evidence that it's the fall. <laughs> it's just the most confusing time of the year for me, every single time. <laughs> it is spring. Hi, Crow. All right, well, I'm gonna let you go. Let me know if you enjoyed the walk and talk. 
the musing with my horses. Maybe I'll take you on some walks again. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.